When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name's Adam Russell. My name is Ryan Key. Am I the only one who got dressed up tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'm just wearing a wrestling tee. Hey, I'm Nick. What's up, everyone? Hey, I'm Mike. Hey, Mike. Nice to see you guys. So lovely to see you guys. It is. And every every week... We're supposed to make podcasts and then we just remind each other how much we love each other and hanging out. And then we don't start our podcast because we just hang out and talk. This was quick. 6.30 or 8.30. I miss you guys. Yeah, same. But I miss real life. I miss real life hangs, you know? Yeah. Where, where's our star cruiser? Do I have to say my my whole name, Adam? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Say your, say your whole name. Tell the people. <laughs> I realized so, that as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, no. All right. You're so down and dumpy sounding. <laughs> it's Mike Forster. So lovely to see you guys. There you go. Hey. There's the happy Michael I know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're, we're, we're climbing back Damn up it. out of a pit right now. We did hang out and talk about how we're friends and uh, all this fun stuff. But prior to that, we were talking about the literal end of the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> the opposite. Um, I had to go get a, yeah, a drink. So. And it's largely because Andor was pushed back three weeks and I, I think if it would have been at the end of this month it, we wouldn't have had that conversation yeah. but you know unfortunately the powers that we're be. running out of time star wars yeah we can't we don't have three weeks to spare right now <laughs> we man can't delay this nick said we're all going to be dead in 20 years that's where our conversation went <laughs> i meant that was a verbatim statement uh, just us four for sure not everybody yeah that's what i mean that's what okay, okay, good, okay. Good. not a mass extinction event yeah. no just no no the just the us. four of us have 20 years or less left <laughs> According to our conversation earlier. A micro-extinction event. I'm psyched. Let's go kill some birds. <laughs> All right. Well, we're uh, we're talking today about movie trailers because the Andor trailer dropped uh, yesterday at the time of this recording, right? Mm, yes. And it got us in a conversation about whether or not we should cover the trailer specifically on an episode or make an all, a whole episode about it. And... The majority of that conversation was me being maybe a grumpy old school dinosaur of movie viewing and being, oh, well, I don't watch trailers because this, so I don't want to do it, basically is what I said. But then it got me thinking, okay, well, why specifically? How could I ar articulate this better? And should we actually just have a conversation about how movie trailers are different now than they were 10, 15, 20, 40 years ago? And does that affect the viewing experience? I think we could all say yes to some degree, but there's a lot of discussion to be had in there. So that's what we're doing tonight. We talked a little bit way back, back when I was, my, my brief and uh, regrettable stint in Los Angeles from late 2019 to early 2020. Uh, Ryan and I were producing some trailer cues and we, we talked a little bit about this, I'm sure. And just like about how many people may not be aware of what actually goes into making a movie trailer. Yeah. And 
I would have to do some more reading to know the, the the real difference in, as you just said, Adam, like what they were versus what they are now. But I got a lot of insight into how a movie trailer or or a TV show now. I mean, TV is movies now. You know, Netflix and Prime and and Hulu. And mm-hmm. That's all, they're all fil- they're all ten hour long films, right? Every, these seasons of these programs that we love. So those count. They make the trailers the same way. But and what I want to find out actually, and what I would like to read about, did the studios used to just make them right? So like before independent film really took off the way it did, and which I guess you know it's been twenty ish years, right? Since independent film studios have really had like box office, massive box office successes, right? But right. did Paramount just make their own trailers? Did Universal just make their own trailer? Right. Now, there's it's trailer houses. That's what they're called. I mean, they every single movie tra- or TV trailer you see is outsourced to a company that specializes in making trailers. And they turn those freaking things over like cookies, man. They're just like next, 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 next. And I mostly learned about the music side of it. But a fascinating thing I learned is when you watch a trailer from the music side, more often than not, like nine times out of 10, you're hearing like six different artists, like six six different cues made by six different recording artists in, in the same trailer. And then I also found out that if you're watching like a two or three minute long trailer and you get like 40 seconds of your song, uh, in like a, I know someone who got a, about forty seconds in a Marvel trailer. So we're talking big time, you know, Disney money, big time. Right. But they got fifty thousand dollars for forty seconds, <laughs> and there were more. There were like three other artists in that trailer, so they all probably got fifty. You know, so it it's wild how these things are made, and you wouldn't think that, right? You would think, okay, we shot the movie. Someone at the studio takes the footage from the movie and puts it all together in a trailer, and then you watch it. It's not that at all. Like. Trailer houses like audition to get the cut, you know. They they send it's out like a sub industry. Yes, they send out the footage of the movie like, industry. Like you know, NDA signed, send out the stuff to different trailer houses and who can do the best job. It's like I think a lot of times they're working on spec. Yeah. They're they're auditioning basically to get the job. And then the uh, woman we were working with, it was sort of helping us, giving us advice on like how to make trailer cues and music for trailers. She kind of told us all about all this stuff and she said it's crazy how many times they go back and edit. Like it's, she said it's insane. Like hundreds of changes. The the studio comes back. It's like ah, we need 0.2 milliseconds off of this one, and then could we have the drums come in with? The, and they just like constantly, constantly revising what you finally see. And I think that leads us into this conversation today about how much of an impact these trailers make because. It's much shorter, but it seems like the same amount of like passion and intensity goes into editing a minute and a half long clip. Yeah. And like you can't really shoot yourself in the foot with what your you know, with your entity, your movie, your television series, if you don't have a good trailer and you don't almost play the game. Yeah. Like a trailer needs to feel like a trailer, not necessarily like, well, here's what I want my how here is how I want to present myself. It's like no. You have to do this certain thing if you want anyone to tune in. You know, if your series is coming out on a Friday or your movie's coming out on a Thursday, it's like you kind of have to play the game and a trailer's a trailer. It doesn't necessarily have to be like the most representative thing of what you're doing. And that's a whole other conversation is that, you know, especially with Star Wars and Disney Plus, we're not getting much. You know, we're getting visuals. We're not getting story at all. Well, I don't know, man. I I, I agree with, with that. For most of it, but I would say, and Adam, plug your ears, I guess, because I don't want to give you spoilers. This isn't like spoilers, but with the trailer we just watched yesterday. 
Well, I'm editing it regardless. <laughs> I could plug my ears. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> well that, I, won't, I won't spoil anything for you other than just like this is sort of like a broad, broad brushstroke of like what the trailer, something that was in the trailer. I think to your point, Nick, what you decide the flavor of the trailer is going to, you know, what the focus of the trailer is going to be can be totally different than what the film or the show actually is. Right. right? And like director, editor, producer, trailer house, all, they all have to make a decision of like, which character are we going to focus on? Which storyline are we going to like? What, and, and I think nowadays more than ever, it, it leans into that sort of clickbait concept. Like, yeah, what can what's going to get people the most excited, even if it's not what the movie's even about, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And and so I think with the Andor trailer we saw, and you guys tell me if you got the same vibe. This one did have story, is why why I'm bringing this up, Nick, because I agree. A lot of times it's just visuals, like sweeping, cool, like mm-hmm. familiar planets, familiar characters. Trailer, boom, Obi Wan Kenobi. But this one, to me, the idea of like infiltrating, right? The idea of like being a spy you know, stealing from the empire, all those things he said, and like showing him from a young age, sort of like infiltrating the empire in, in a certain way. Like there was, that was very story focused to me. So I'd be interested to see when the show comes out, if we're actually going to like go back to his childhood and like see him doing that, you know, spy stuff as a, as a kid, or if that's just clickbait, because it really could be like, there could be a zero scenes with him as a child in the actual show. Well, let's pump the brakes on the Andor stuff because I, I want to wrap up with everyone's actual reaction to the trailer in a way that keeps in mind that I will be editing this and I'm not actually watching the trailer. So please don't. I'm going to talk me. you into it. By the end of this, you're going to be like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm just going to watch it." Yeah, we, All right. Maybe well, we should send it to him. So that's my goal for this this whole episode is for you to just be like, "Yeah, okay." This brief exchange right here leads me to my first question for everyone. Actually, before I ask it. Ryan and I will briefly remind everyone of how we got here, how this podcast started with our original no-spoiler pact for The Force Awakens seven and a half years ago now, eight years ago now. We wanted to treat it like it was, you know, the end of 79, beginning of 80, and there was an Empire Strikes Back trailer coming out. And the only way that you could see a trailer at that time was, of course, in a movie theater. So that was rule number one. And then it included um, only seeing the poster in person, things like that, and then not watching any trailers online. If you caught a TV spot, okay, whatever. But the idea was to, to go in as cold as possible with just a little tease and keep it pure. So since then, I've gone up and down. I watched a lot of The Last Jedi trailers. It changed my experience. I watched just a couple of, of The Rise of Skywalker. I, I've gone back and forth, but generally speaking, I don't m- watch trailers all that much. I see a teaser and that's kind of it. What about you guys? Mike, do you tend to watch all of the trailers? Just a couple? What's your approach? I I mean, I will say that the first thing that I take away from is always like, how is marketing changed? Mm -hmm. And there's things now that make it so like at the end of the day, marketing is designed to engage with you and it's designed to capture you. So we're almost like the, the idea of you trying to avoid something in which your phone is listening to you, your phone is feeding you all this content, your algorithm is feeding you content. It has things like autoplay that like you scroll by something on Instagram and it just like, it's going to try to hit you with as much engagement as soon as you see it, right? Right. So it's almost like you purposefully have to, in some ways, avoid 
all your favorite places while these things are happening, right? So I think of the process of how it is now, right? I think of the announcement happens and that comes from an official channel. Hey, this is happening. Then we have the teaser trailer, which is essentially like Ray Skywalker standing in the desert and she looks over and sees this dark ship flying towards her and then jumps over it. And that's like three quarters of the trailer. She cuts the thing in half and it's like the Force Awakens is happening and then they drop a little tease at the end. Then we get the full trailer that happens. And then we're like... and that, The that, official trailer. Exactly. And then they're, and they're putting all that stuff out there. So in general, because I appreciate the medium, I love all the content. So like to me, the trailer is almost like its own piece of art in its own way. Because for me, the Force Awakens trailer was completely unmatched in terms of the hype engine. Han and Chewie getting on and Han saying Chewie were home was... I'm like... Jesus. Still, I still get chills thinking about that. And so like for me, I, I, I do, I, I consume all the media, but I know that at this point, the trailer system like you guys are talking about is completely designed for the medium that it serves. And then we also have, in addition to, and we saw that, uh, we talked about it on the podcast, even things like the Obi-Wan posters, right? Like that's been a thing that they've been doing every Monday after they air the episode or two days, is it two days every Monday following, I think, they share like a, what's called like a character poster, right? right Online, right. official channels. And Obi-Wan Kenobi's gave away details of the plot if you were looking for it. And like, that's part of marketing now, yeah. you know? So like, you could have figured out, and we talked about on the podcast that Reva, they literally said like her target was Vader. And so, like, if you're if you're willing to, like, put in that work, sometimes they're leaving crumb trails out there for you to check it out. I don't necessarily think it's, like, the smartest idea, but at the same time, I think it's fun for them to, like, send people on wild goose chases, again, to pump their algorithm, work on all this stuff. So I think, really, like, the way that we feel about movie trailers is more of a symptom of, like, how marketing has really changed, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Nick, how about you? I... I have an idea of what your vibe is, but be specific. How, how, how do you think about trailers and <laughs> what, what, what's the cutoff point for you in terms of watching too much? Uh, there's, I don't watch them too many times, but I watch trailers immediately. And to me, it's about buying in. To me, it's about getting stoked the way that they want you to get stoked. And I can't think of one instance where I was bummed that a trailer showed too much. I can't think of an instance where I was misled. And I guess I'm really speaking specifically about Star Wars trailers. But I I appreciate the art form. I want the big, loud, booming, orchestral vocals. Like, like, I want all of that. That's what I want a trailer to be. And until it's, like, innovated further, I just, I'll eat up that sort of trailer because it gets me pumped. I look forward to that just as, not just as much, but, like, that's a thing I look forward to when I know a series or a movie is coming out is the trailer. I appreciate the culture behind, and I'm sure we'll talk about the the culture behind breaking down a trailer and talking with your friends about a trailer. I would say one thing that I've learned from, um, how could I put this? Just put it. <laughs> how I view trailers in a importance sense changed after watching The Force Awakens, watching the trailer for The Last Jedi, and then watching The Last Jedi. Like, Star Wars changed for just about everybody after that. And I I don't need to learn twice 
like how to watch trailers after that. Like I stopped theorizing after The Last Jedi came out because Same. because it inevitably my brain was like, you're wasting your time theorizing. And I've said this on the on the pod before. It's like we're not in the writing room. We we we're not literally making this stuff up from scratch. There's no reason to theorize based off of a trailer because they're showing you something to get you excited. They're not necessarily showing you the plot of the movie. And with Star Wars specifically, they're, I don't want to say misleading, but they're not giving you all the pieces to work with. So uh, to me, they're fun. They're part of marketing. It's something to look forward to. It's something to chat with you guys about. Sure, I'll theorize, but I don't put too much stock into theorizing because I, I think that we're in a culture of twists and turns and that's what we want with star wars and marvel is to not see what's coming and they would never put stuff like that in the trailer even if the biggest reveal of like the rise of skywalker seeing dark ray that was a big deal but that wasn't that had very little uh importance to the movie you know yeah that just got you stoked it didn't ruin the movie that it didn't wind up being a big part of it but i do wonder and i i would i would guess that this is the case to some degree whether or not the producers, the executives, the people who are calling the shots and green lighting or, or vice versa, the amount of content that goes out, they have to be thinking, okay, we let enough out that the hive mind of internet culture can start theorizing and putting stuff together enough such that people get excited to actually see it. You know, if you make it too vague, it's like, okay, that looks tight, but what's really going to happen? And then that could go wrong in terms of mm-hmm. the way internet culture and that mob mentality can shift one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like they have to put out enough to get people stoked and potentially kind of do what happened with Lost or Westworld where people were just straight up figuring out exactly what was going to happen. Like there were enough clues that they were just nailing it. There, and there was another show, I forgot what it was, within the past five, 10 years where the internet culture and whether it's the message boards or the stuff on social media or whatever, we're just nailing it. It was the first season of Westworld actually, right? They fully figured out exactly what the storyline was, what the parallels were. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's possible, right? So they look at that and think like, okay, well we get, we need to give them enough to chew on and balance the expectations in a way that is most lucrative. Mm-hmm. So, I, I get it from a marketing standpoint, but it can go wrong. And for me, it was the same thing for The Last Jedi, and I've said this multiple times. I theorized way too hard. Mm-hmm. Some of the ideas that some friends had, uh, my friend Bobby, who I worked with at the time, had this awesome theory about Snoke being like the first Jedi ever and actually being a clone or some, something like that. And I got so into that. I was like, oh, it's so sick. That would mm-hmm. be amazing. And then I just, I just ran with it. And everything I built up in my head was cooler than what I saw on screen, at least from that perspective in that moment. So I ruined it mm-hmm. for myself. Totally, yeah. A lot of us, a lot of us did that, and that that changed the way I thought about trailers forever. Mm-hmm. Ryan Key, how how much has your attitude towards trailers changed since our original pact, and where do you stand now? I still don't like seek out anything extra online, you know. I think if a trailer is premiering, I will sit down and make sure it's on the TV with the you know surround sound and to really take it in and experience it. But I, I you know I didn't have any of 
the issues you kind of just ran over with with the last Jedi trailer. I, I don't think it threw me into a spiral of theorizing and and like trying to figure out what it all. I, I think when, well, to be clear, I overdid it. I watched it no less than fifty times. <laughs> yeah, but I saw it probably. I, I'm pretty sure I saw the last Jedi trailer in a theater as well. You know, mm-hmm. kind of trying to keep the vibe that we had going and. Yeah, definitely didn't watch it a hundred times in a row. So I started the podcast tonight talking about some of the stuff I learned working on music for trailers, which m- makes me excited to see trailers. You know, I'm I'm intrigued by the music. I'm intrigued by the editing. And I think I have this awareness because of some of the inside knowledge I have that you're not necessarily seeing anything that has to do with the, mo- the movie itself sometimes. Like they really are trying to spin you into like just being excited to go see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like, we can talk about our and or reaction later, but I just like how much backstory. I don't know, but they definitely leaned hard on backstory in the trailer. That made it really exciting because we already know Cassian Andor. Mm-hmm. We, are, we already know his place in the rebellion. We, we know kind of how he got there, but they made the show may not touch on it at all. But the tra- trailer, it's super effective because it's like, ooh, I want to watch this to get this backstory. And, and when it's really effective is when you watch the show and it's so fucking good or you watch the movie and it's so fucking good. That you forget, you, you don't go, well, that was in the trailer and I didn't see it. Because you're just, you're transported by the experience of the film, right? So it doesn't matter what they, it doesn't matter what got you in the room, right? Like, you go see a band because you like this one song on the radio and then you realize they have all these other songs that are amazing. It's like that effect. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, trailers don't deter me or, or like make me feel like I'm spoiling something for myself. It's part, for me, it is still like the, you know, the 80s and 90s kind of thing we put into the no spoiler pact, watching a trailer makes it, that's part of a film to me. It's part of the process for me. There is quite a bit that's different about modern trailers. I think uh, a lot that most people are probably aware of, but it's so drastically different or you realize how drastically different it is when you actually watch an old trailer. So it's not just the style. Like you'll see people on YouTube do like, um, you know, the Empire Strikes Back modern trailer, right? And they they do the thing where they take the theme and they play it on a soloed instrument really slowly, <laughs> yeah, right. you know? Single key. Ding. Yes. Ding. <laughs> you know, it's and I think all that came from like the Hans Zimmer era, you know, the yeah. the the, Bless the him. big Bless him. Yeah. So 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 you know you you kind of notice it there, but if you really look at the list, like if you write out everything that's different about trailers, it becomes clear that like Ryan you said at the top it is its own sub art form of filmmaking for sure. It's not something that, you know, like Quentin Tarantino couldn't necessarily make a great trailer. Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, uh, JJ Abrams couldn't make a great trailer because it's a different skill set. for sure. It's so honed at this point that it is, it's like, it's like writing a pop song in a way. Absolutely. It gets you to buy the album, but it's like as straightforward to the point as possible as certain things are chosen straight up to to get you most excited to get you most hooked and it's it's an interesting formula that i think they have nailed now what's interesting too is is the artist right if we're calling it a, a, another art form there there's multiple people working just like on a on a film there's an editor there's a uh, you know there's a music person there's someone doing the color grading you know they're all and there's one person overseeing all of that so like at each of the big trailer houses that are absolutely crushing right now someone is like the team lead and it's like you want to call that they're like the artist they're they're the director but it's like making a film 
And that's why I wonder what it was like, what the process was like of making a trailer in 1983, as far as was it honestly, was it like just one dude in a room kind of like taking the footage and be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, and then we'll hire the voiceover guy to go in a galaxy far, Mm -hmm. far away. (laughs) Well, it's very informative too, don't you think? Like, I'm just thinking back to like the, from what I, I don't know if it was in the ILM doc or whatever, but it was like coming out May 25th, come back to the galaxy with your pals, Han Solo, Chewbacca, you know, it's like. (laughs) A hundred percent. So like, was that just a guy? I mean, I'm sure there were people more than one person, but. Was it the, the the assembly line that it is now where like there, you know, there's the same level of crew, production crew on a trailer that there is on the film itself? I, I, who knows? But it definitely is now. There's a producer, an editor, a mu- you know, a music editor, a colorist, a, a, a mixer. It's It's a whole production, like making a film that's two minutes long. I would assume old school trailers. I just have this vision of like, you know, Frankie Sharp from Sharp Records from Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. That kind of old school cigar smoking producer, executive producer type. It's like, yeah, we need we need to tell him uh, this is, this will be the best picture of the year. We need to tell him, <laughs> you know, that kind of like old school voice, just sort of motivating the studio to make these what to, to us now are super cheesy old school trailers with these really cheesy old school voiceovers. They're so bad. They're so bad. And I actually <laughs> they had Harrison Ford do a voiceover for Star Wars. Say again. So good. You know this? Like, there is literally a trailer for Star Wars that Harrison Ford did the voiceover for. Okay, someone find this right now. And in the meantime, I'm going to play. He probably hated it. The original 1977 trailer for Star Wars. Listen to this. You're going to crack up. I'm going to play the first one here while you're finding that. (laughs) This is good times. Uh, With Nick referenced from the documentary. Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. <laughs> Star Wars. Stop that ship! I'd forgotten how much I hate space travel. Here they come. This is actually less voiceover than I remember. They're coming in too fast! The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. (laughs) That's misleading. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. This Romance? Ultimate yeah, romance. Between si- brother and sister, man. Come on, you ever heard of a little romance? There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. It's so long. It is long. It's an epic of heroes. Good luck. 
God, the lightsaber, dude. Oh, they're both white. Star Wars, a billion years in the making. <laughs> Force will be with you, always. So, like, were they not making them until they had full, the picture was done, the soundtrack was done? Like, that doesn't sound like someone scored the, you know, made score music for the trailer. That sounds like John Williams' score to me. Well, there there was no, you were just talking about the uh, the lightsabers. That wasn't done, right? Right. The, there, the, the so effects no were VFX pretty rough in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. The one I was thinking of, though, that I, I wish I would have cued before this was um, the line is something like, this could all be happening yeah. somewhere in the galaxy right now or some, some shit like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That's in, I think that's in the documentary. Um, it's clear that they were very much marketing minded even then, because that's, that's not necessarily what the story was ultimately about. And then it goes back to our conversation, our, our episode about how George was making it up as he went along as well. But still it was always about marketing and pushing the thing, but it's just become something else now. But uh, here's here's the trailer that Mike was talking about. It's, this is two minutes and twenty seconds long, but we'll we'll just hear Harrison at the top. And we'll just li- listen to Harrison Ford in his baseball announcer voice. <laughs> here, here we go. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. <laughs> Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. (laughs) God, I wish you could see this right now. Of heroes and villains. (laughs) Hear that? That like lightsaber? They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. All right, that's enough. I don't want to embarrass Harrison. <laughs> Sounds like Harrison Ford can have fun. Who <laughs> knew? Is it incredible? He can have fun for whatever they paid him to do this. So, like, there's, like, a part of me, though, that that goes back to, and one of our patrons, uh, Jason Chiotto, is, it professionally does audio mixing for a, uh, a lot of big-time productions, and uh, most recently did the Oppenheimer teaser trailer from Christopher Nolan. And he's dropping just, First of all, this is why you should be joining the Jedi tier because we're just getting a, a master class in information right now from Jason. But, um, you know, what he's saying is like, well, we think of old school trailers 
are really not that old. It's sort of recognized that the first modern trailer is was the teaser for Terminator 2, right? So that that is only in the 90s, right? Then you think of really, like, like I said, marketing has changed so much that the trailer in some ways, and I'm, I'm trying to make it so that people are really starting to think about trailers. And I even think as to most recently, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer showed Wanda, who is essentially the villain of the movie besides Strange himself. And I don't care if this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it because the film's fine. But it's been a minute. Uh, yeah, but Wanda, Wanda is barely in the trailer. And then you the movie starts and she's like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm going to kill everybody at this place. And she's, and you barely she's see She's the central that. villain mm-hmm. of the whole thing, yeah. Right, exactly. And I think about that because then it's like with Star Wars, with Marvel, if you didn't watch WandaVision, another part of their intellectual property, another part of their layout, uh, are you going to be lost as to why all of a sudden an Avenger is after, you know, Endgame, if that was, you didn't watch Disney Plus, you're like, all of a sudden Wanda's bad now. What the heck's going on? And so I think with Mm -hmm. Star Wars, they're they're laying out this landscape that has to simultaneously remind people that Star Wars is an ever-expanding story, but it's also stories within stories that we didn't know that we were going to get, right? And so I'm still shocked at the amount of people who haven't seen Solo, they just like, we're like, oh yeah, was that any good? I know you're really into Star Wars. Was Solo any good? I'm like, are seriously? Uh, and then I, and you I think have, I skipped anything. <laughs> right, right. You know, but it's like, but it, it is, uh, it is interesting to, to hear people about that because then they see a trailer and they're like, wait, what timeline is this? Like, what's going on with that? And so I think in a lot of ways, the, the process of making a trailer is again, to remind people not only to subscribe to their streaming channel right which is a huge part of it too but star wars is in a very particular case too where they are leaning very heavily into this idea that like hey remember when people started fighting online about star wars but everyone some how somehow universally agrees that rogue one is the greatest thing that's ever happened since the disney buyout which is this like ongoing conversation they're really leaning into being like hey if you were into that you should probably sign up for Disney Plus to watch this show. And so I think like, you know, it's it's very it's just it's interesting. I think that, that it's worthy of a conversation to talk about without without giving it away. But you know what else I think is interesting? I'd love everyone's take on this too. Did this trailer say the or the original teaser trailer that we saw at Celebration, did that say from the from the minds of the directors, the producers of Rogue One? No, no. but it does now though, right? I saw a screenshot of that. Yes. It from says the, from the creators of Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what I think is really interesting about that is that essentially the showrunner of this entire show, really, at the end of the day, is is the main writer of House of Cards, which, mm. granted, whatever happened, that was one of Netflix's pre-Stranger Things. That was one of their greatest yeah. shows that they had. I think had. it was the first one, yeah. Yeah. And so... Huge hit. Right, right. But what, what I'm saying is, is that it's interesting that they didn't do that because people have forgotten because our attention spans are so garbage that that show was amazing. And that was a huge reason why people bought a subscription Netflix was to watch that show, right? And so mm-hmm. even in this little bit of entertainment time, we have moved on from that being an asset that they would lead with because at some point you could have led with from the creator or the writer of House of Cards and people had been like, yo, 
like he does these weaving stories of espionage and treason and treachery very well. Like I want to watch that, but that's been so far removed that they're reminding you about the universally celebrated Rogue One movie that right. happened still seven years ago at this point, right? Yeah. It's interesting. They they led with that as a title card. Yeah. The, the House of Cards hype was early, you know, right around the announcement for the, the super fans like us. We as a community really focused in on exactly what you just said, and that gave us hope for what this could be. And now for the masses, they're, they're going and they're, they're playing the Rogue One card. So it makes sense. All that said... I think we should go ahead and just, I I could say a a hundred more things, but I'll say before we move on in closing, Nick, maybe you're right. Maybe I am going to watch this trailer because I had a a little mini revelation. Let me talk. Let me talk to you about it. Come on. What's your revelation? Let's go. Um, Where I see trailers revealing too much, where it's a scenario that ends up revealing almost the entire plot by the time you get to the, the the quote final trailer and the final TV spot. That tends to be stuff where we're talking about like the second or third movie in a trilogy. We're talking about films or we're talking like any of the MCU stuff where you kind of know what to expect and they just put it all out there. They're like, come on, just see it. It's all going to happen. Here it is. Here's everything. Mm-hmm. And I can't fuck with that. Yeah. But if we're starting something fresh, they do lay it out differently. So I might watch it. Get, plead your case to me. Are you going to watch it live here in front of us? <laughs> Shit, I might. I'll watch. We'll Could. do it after for the patrons. We'll here's uh yeah. Here's what I'm gonna say specifically. You know five ways that this story is going to end. You already know that, right? So we live in this culture of you know these two Disney entities being Star Wars and Marvel, where the trailers for entertainment and you know that there's going to be a twist. So they're they're not gonna go anywhere near the exciting twist in a trailer. Like the fact that so-and-so is in the Andor trailer. If he's not in the show, that's a mistake. So why not just put him in the trailer? You know he's going to be in it. Right. It's like there. you already know how Rogue One ends. You already know what happens after Rogue One. Everything that is going to be exciting about this is not going to be anywhere near the trailer. They're showing you visuals of how this looks. They're showing you new characters, new ships that look like old ships. Like they're 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 giving you, hey, everything you like about Star Wars is in this show. Get excited. There's not much to me, story wise. Like honestly, it, it looks like there might be politics are back in this. You know, like legitimate like Senate politics, like Star Wars politics. Like I'm 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 like, should I expect that? Because that gets me excited at this point in my life. I don't know. Okay, let's do this. Let's do something special. Let's wrap right now. <laughs> I'll start a new recording. Patrons stay in here. I'll watch the trailer. You'll see me react live to it. And then let's, let's have a brief discussion. Everyone who's in here, we can interact as it happens. And I'll put it up on Patreon for everyone who is on the other two tiers who's not in this chat right now. So patreon.com slash thank the maker pod is where you can go to get the rest of this discussion, see me react to it live. I'll do the video. I'll just, I'll, I'll put the whole thing up and let's just wrap right now. Mike Forrester, do you have anything coming up you want to tell the people about and tell them where you can be found on social media? Yes, 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 yes. Of course. Uh, Honda supply. That's uh, very Jeff Goldblum of you. You're like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes, yes. I do. I do have a thing. Slap it on a lunchbox. You want to sell it. You want to sell it. It's crazy son of a bitch. He did it. Um, that, 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 that is chaos theory. That is chaos theory. 
We're dorks. Uh, Honda Supply. <laughs> Thank the maker. A Jurassic Park podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, Honda Supply on Instagram and then uh, Armor Party. Uh, I have uh, a couple calls in with a couple people and I'm hoping that our first episode is out within the next two weeks of season two, which is going to be very exciting. So Armor Party there. Let's get it going. Wait, hold up. You didn't say your actual social media handles. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me at Honda Supply on Instagram, and you can also find me at Armor Party Show on Instagram as well, which I posted a picture from the trailer of the thing you're about to see, and people are already mad about it. So I look forward to talking <laughs> about that in the Patreon chat after. Nikki. I'm at Nick Bayside on all socials. New Bayside song coming out August 11th. So that's next week, a week from today. Hell yeah. My children's book is now shipping and episode 56 of the radio radio show is all Tony Sly and no use for a name because we just reached the 10 year mark of uh, him passing away. So uh, I played all 10 of my favorite no use for name songs on this last episode and I cried a lot. What do you have coming up, Brian? Can you tell the people? Uh, you can find me on socials at William Ryan Key. And if, uh, if you're looking for some super good vibes, check out Jetta Music at Jetta Music on socials. J-E-D-H-A. If you know, you know. We have a new single coming out, hopefully by the end of August, but if not, right at the top of September. And I think it's the best song that we have recorded yet to date. I make music with my friend Ryan Mendez, who played guitar in Yellow Card. And it sounds nothing like Yellow Card. It's like experimental ambient electronica. But uh, check it out if that sounds interesting to you. And uh, I'm practicing for a yellow card show. That's kind of an interesting thing mm. that I never thought I would... Hell has frozen over. Never thought I would say out loud. So the reason I bring that up is because you can follow me uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash William Ryan Key, where I will be practicing guitar and vocals and all things Riot Fest. Uh, the show is next month, which is just wild how close we are to it. We're playing a show for the first time in, in uh, over five years. So uh, if you want to hang out with me while I learn how to play guitar again, follow me on Twitch. And uh, that's, that's all I got. My band's story of the year is doing stuff again. We have a new song that's coming out within this month. I'll say that. And we're actually playing a show. We, uh, we booked another show, a festival here in St. Louis. It's August 21st. It's a three-day festival. It's a free thing. It's like an outdoor thing at this awesome brewery. 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 It's a hard word, man. It's That's a not a word. word I can say well. It sucks. It's like rural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Road. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called Pig and Whiskey. It's at Schlafly Bottle Works in Maplewood. And if you're anywhere near, anywhere near St. Louis and you want to see us play a show um, and we're not playing in your town, come hang out. It's free. It's going to be sick. Tech Nine is direct support for us. Oh, yeah. That show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. And Sebastian Box playing the night before. It's going to be crazy. Anyway, um, at Story of the Year on all the stuff, at Adam the Skull on all the stuff for me. This podcast is at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram and TikTok. We are at Thank the Maker on Twitter and patreon.com slash Thank the Maker Pod is where you can go to participate in all of this stuff that I said earlier. We're going to hang up, hang up, boomer alert. <laughs> We're going to end this stream <laughs> and do another one uh, with the patrons, with the Jedi Council patrons, uh, and then that'll be available to the rest of the patrons. Hang off the phone! That's going to be it. I have to stop talking now. <laughs> Dudes, thank you for being here. Patrons, thank you for being here. And until next week, may the Force be with you. Yeah.